0: this this is Sports Talk Mississippi on your
1: radio and in the game right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
0: What's up and happy new year. That's right. We are live today. No best of show. We don't take days off around here. What is a day off? I have no idea. Welcome to the January 1st, 2020 edition of Sports Talk Mississippi. That's right, no days off around here. We did a show yesterday, obviously doing a show today all week long, just like a regular work week with you. I'm Michael Borke. He's Steven Gagliano. No lineup change. We just decided to take over the show today. Everyone else in the company... Taking the day off today, much deserved day off after what, for some of them, was probably a long night of partying. Not for me. I've got a two-month-old, almost three-month-old now, and uh, I was in bed by 10, which is the biggest accomplishment that I've had uh, in the year 2019. So Stephen and I decided to take over today. Got nothing else going on. Got football on the TV. We're going to hang out with you. And this is going to be a really laid-back show Uh, this afternoon. You know, no hard-hitting stuff. I mean, we've got bowl games going on right now, and we'll talk about those. We've got storylines. I mean, there's a growing idea that Tua is coming back for Alabama. Uh, He took the field on uh, one crutch today. He was walking on on just one crutch wearing his Bama uniform, and all these people in SEC country are talking about the idea that he's going to come back to school. So there's a storyline there. You've got... Uh, Unfortunate news that actually just came down. It was not unexpected, but the former commissioner of the NBA, David Stern, uh, has just passed away. So we'll talk about that. He is why New Orleans still has an NBA team. When Hurricane Katrina came through the Crescent City, uh, they were going to move, and David Stern is the reason why uh, you have still today a basketball team In New Orleans. The Winter Classic is going on, which is just a really cool sports scene. So a lot of stuff to get to, but we're going to be laid back today. It's New Year's Day. A lot of you are probably hungover, unlike myself, because again, I I didn't do anything last night. It was was actually kind of nice. Uh, And we want to hear from you. I've been throwing around this idea in my head for a while uh, on this show, uh, where we do what I've called Whatever Wednesday, where we let you, the listener dictate what we talk about. I want to try to do that today. So if you are listening to us on the first of January on this new year's day, there was no cars on the road. Nobody's working. If you're listening to us, I want to talk about what you want us to talk about. So at any point today, if you feel like bringing up something, I'll talk about it. I might kick up my feet up here in the studio and we're just going to hang out today. Two ways you can be a part of the show on the text line 601-879-4395. That's the C Spire text line. Do not text and drive, but you want us to talk about something, shoot us a text. We'll do it today on whatever Wednesday, or you can call the show and be a part of it that way. 888-808-8637. So whatever Wednesday, we're here for you. We're going to be reacting to the football games that are kind of coming down to the wire right now. You've got uh, the Citrus Bowl. Alabama's got a Pretty commanding, 14-point lead now with eight minutes to go in the fourth. Minnesota and Auburn's coming down to the wire. The Gophers actually leading by a touchdown there with 2.40 left in the game. So we'll react to those in real time. We'll get to your text and calls if you feel like being a part of the show this afternoon. Either way, we're glad you are with us for the start of the year 2020. And with that, we'll bring Steven in. Uh, what's up on this Wednesday? I think it's
1: going to be a good 2020. We're off to a good start. And like you, I'm not hungover today, too, so it's nice to be here with you
0: today. (laughs) Don't you love being an adult? Sometimes. See, I remember when New Year's used to be a big deal. I loved New Year's when I was in college and like my first year out of college. I don't know why. Because what is today? I mean, everybody gets a day off, but... I heard somebody on, I was watching, flipping through channels last night, and somebody on the news said, oh, this just, it's a symbol of great things to come. And I understand, I guess I'm cynical, but like, no, it's just, it's Wednesday. You know, It's got, whatever Wednesday. It's whatever Wednesday. I got to work tomorrow. So, and another thing I want to do today, New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions is one that I've never made in my life, but do you have one for the team that you love? So, we'll do that today as well. Like I said, laid back show. Steven's feeling good. I'm feeling good. Football on the TV. Hockey. I was watching hockey earlier. That game is a lot of fun to watch. I've always wanted to go to that
1: event. I don't live anywhere close to where maybe one of those would be, but it would be a lot of fun to be at, I think. There's no way you could, like, if you go to one of those, you can actually watch the game, though. Yeah, especially if you're like up high, how are you going to see the puck like at all?
0: You don't. You I just kind of watch where people are going and hope that the puck is around there. You barely see it when like you're in a regular arena. If you don't know what we're talking about, there's a thing that is done every year in the NHL called the Winter Classic. It's where they play a regular season NHL game outside in a stadium that is not built for hockey. Uh, so today, they're actually playing in the Cotton Bowl. They usually play somewhere where it's cold to... You know to keep the ice frozen, but I guess they found a way to play the game in the Cotton Bowl today, and the Predators uh, from Nashville are playing the Dallas Stars. It's such a cool setting. I mean, where was it a couple of years ago where it snowed the entire time? Is that when they had it at Michigan? Didn't they have it in the Big they, House They had one it year? in the Big House one year. I think they played it at Fenway Park one time. Uh, so they do this every year, and it's on NBC. I think the game, it is still going on. If you uh, feel like watching it, you can go – uh, find it there. It's a really cool scene. But after I went to the the Saints-Bucks game earlier this year, and it's kind of our fault because we were literally three rows from the very back of the stadium, but still, we were watching a football game. The entire like field of play was being used. I could not imagine trying to watch a hockey game which is like a fourth of the football field in the middle of that. Yeah, it's essentially and like what's at, going on. Right, it's like at
1: midfield. Like there's yeah. and it there's so much room like towards the sidelines, which obviously I'm not talking about on the ice. I'm just saying in the right. arena or at the stadium whatever, there's so much room where the like the ice ends and the actual seats would begin to where even if you're close up, if you're in like the first You know, 25 rows, you're still going to have a hard time
0: seeing what's going on. You can't. It's a novelty thing. You go just to say you were there. Either way, cool scene uh, there in Dallas as well. So a lot going on uh, around the sports world today. And it used to be a lot more intense than this. I remember I mean, it's been 20 years now since there was only 18 bowl games. Now there's 40. And next year, I think there's going to be 42. Uh, But New Year's Day used to be College football's day. Right? That's what it used to be. Right, like appointment television. It's New Year's Day. It was college football's day. And you still have, like, you've got big brands with Michigan and Alabama playing. And, uh, I mean, it really looks like Minnesota's about to upset Auburn, uh, which would be a great win for P.J. Fleck. And, uh, I mean, the, the Rose Bowl is always the Rose Bowl, and people talk about it so admirably, and of course, it's probably the most iconic setting in the sport, but the playoff is kind of taken away from New Year's Day being college football's day. Now it's whenever the two playoff games are. I just didn't wake up as excited about college football on New Year's Day as we did, uh, I mean, even five years ago, six years ago, before before the playoff became a thing. I'm also really just not excited about the matchups
1: later today. The Michigan-Alabama game I actually was really excited to watch and I've been into as it's been going on. But Georgia and Baylor doesn't excite me at all. Doesn't move any <laughs> and, bit of a I mean, needle. half of Georgia's team isn't even playing. So really, what's the point of the game tonight? And that that's the one that's in primetime. I would have rather had them change it up to have Michigan and Alabama in primetime. Yeah. And then the Rose Bowl... I don't know Oregon, Wisconsin. Does that get a lot of people going? Unless you're living in Wisconsin it,
0: or Oregon, the, the rating number will be huge because it's the Rose Bowl and, and stuff. But no, it, it's just different now. And I, I'm not going to be the guy that says the playoff ruined anything because it didn't. We needed a playoff, and we need. This is not the best year for that argument. I would like more playoff games, but feels a little different today. I, I was. Flipping to hockey for a little while instead of watching some college football. Nothing wrong with that. It's really cool. The Winter Classic's awesome.
1: Yeah, there's there's certain times you can get into hockey in the South, I feel like. The Winter Classic is one, and as the playoffs kind of get going, it gets fun to watch.
0: Six minutes to go in the fourth. Michigan is driving on Alabama on their own 48 right now, but... Been a really tough day for Michigan quarterback Shea Patterson, and more specifically, the guys calling the game, and we'll get into that a little bit next. I made an observation early in that football game. I swear that these people that call football games on television, not all of them, because there are ones that are really good and take their job seriously, don't do any research whatsoever when looking at the two teams going into this game. Because there are a couple of things that were said In the opening segments, if you want to call them that, of the Alabama-Michigan game today, that makes zero sense. I mean, none at all. And so we'll get into that. Look at Minnesota-Auburn, and the game's not even over yet, and Gus's seat as Shea Patterson throws an interception. That will end, basically, the football game for Michigan. Gus Malzahn's seat is already back to being hot. That's a bipolar fan base if you've ever met one. Sports Talk Mississippi on this New Year's Day. Michael Borke, Stephen Gagliano with you. We'll be right back with your text and call, 601 879 4395 on the text line or 888 808 8637 on the phones. We'll be right back, don't go anywhere, at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Wow, just like that, Gus Malzon's back on the hot seat. Final score, potentially, because there's 10 seconds left and Minnesota is on Auburn's 12. It certainly sounds like this will be the final score, though. Minnesota 31, Auburn 24, the first 11-win season for Minnesota in what appears to be an extremely long time. For the first time since 1904, the University of Minnesota has won 11 games in a football season, PJ Fleck. Now his contract will not allow him to be, or didn't allow him to be, in the coaching carousel. This off season, he will be next year. His buyout after the 2020 year, the after the 2020 calendar year, becomes four point five million dollars. Oh, that's it. So nothing. Wow. Yeah,
1: he'll definitely be out of there yeah. the
0: next year. You'd that, believe that's almost an impossible place to win. That Minnesota. I mean, it really is. I know they're the only Division I school in the state. It's a state that doesn't produce talent for some stupid reason. They had a dome that they played in, and they chose to build an open-air on-campus stadium, stuff like that. I mean, it's an impossible place to win, and he somehow did it. He's gimmicky. He's quirky. He's weird. He, he does the row-the-boat thing and and. He's very intense, and it works, man. It really works, and good for him. He seems like one of the good ones in a profession filled with a lot of bad people, and uh, good for Minnesota. And now Gus Malzahn is firmly right back on the hot seat. It's amazing how that works. He wins the Iron Bowl. He's the king of the world. Loses to Minnesota in the Outback Bowl, and he's a bum.
1: Yeah, a win over Alabama only gets you a month or so in terms of (laughs) Auburn's fan base, apparently.
0: I just, I don't know what they expect. Because if you look at what he's been able to do, it's actually been quite good. I mean, he's been to a national championship, he's won an SEC championship, while Nick Saban, arguably the greatest coach in the history of the sport, is within the borders of his own state. I I don't know what else you expect. It was never, ever going to be compete for national championships every year at Auburn while Nick Saban's at Alabama. It was not gonna. It wasn't going to work like that. I don't know what else you expect. Yeah, I have no idea. And the person who's
1: going to benefit the most from that discussion is whoever replaces Gus Malzahn whenever that day comes, because when that happens, Nick Saban will be you know a year, or two, or three closer to retirement possibly. So whoever takes over at Auburn is going to have a much easier time recruiting in the state over Alabama because they're not going up against Nick Saban. They're going up against whoever's going to replace him, which is going to be an impossible task, whether they get some coordinator or a guy like P.J. Fleck or whatever in two years. But either way, Auburn is going to get a leg up eventually when Nick Saban
0: does retire. Absolutely. Uh, Another game that's probably about to go final, Alabama is driving. They're on Michigan's 23, up by 14 points. uh, So that game... Is going to come to an end very shortly, and I teased it before the break, so let's get to it right now. I, I tweeted about it. If you don't follow me on Twitter, go for it, uh, at Michael Borky. I said, do TV announcers do any research at all? And here's why I said that, because as the game was opening, they were even talking to Tom uh, Luganbill as well. He was doing the sidelines. But uh, the two guys calling the game, and I understand how difficult the job is, because I'm technically in this field as well, and I promise you, I get things wrong all the time. But there's a difference between getting like a prognostication wrong and just outright speaking in incorrect facts. In the opening thing of the game, they were talking specifically about Michigan and and their quarterback, Shea Patterson. I don't mean to uh, beat down a college kid, but... They kept calling him extremely accurate. And they said the Ohio State game this year is when he played his best football of his career. Shea Patterson's completion percentage is 10 points worse than Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. It is 20 percentage points worse than Joe Burrow. There is nothing about his time anywhere, including his time at Ole Miss, where he was extremely accurate. And then they went on to say that Michigan, despite losing to Ohio State, was an excellent football team. On what planet was Michigan, at any point this season, an excellent football team? I know you want to hype up your own game, but if you just watched them play one time, just once, you knew that, one, he was not accurate. Again, 57% completions this year. That's looking
1: at one game specifically on their schedule. But Ohio
0: and they, State, he threw 41% completions against Ohio right. State. Maybe they looked back when they beat Army Ugh. or
1: Middle Tennessee or something like that way earlier in the season, and they were like, oh, maybe he went you know, 25 of 28, and they took him out at halftime. Man, he's accurate.
0: He was 18 of 43 against Ohio State, and the game today where they called him extremely accurate, he was 16 of 34. He's consistent. There you go. He is very, very consistent. But, man, I I kept thinking, what what are you talking about? Excellent? The problem with Michigan is they are extremely not excellent. That's Jim Harbaugh's issue. They can't beat anybody that is on their level. They yet again lost to Ohio State and lost to Penn State and lost to Wisconsin, who won the opposite division of theirs in the Big Ten. The Ohio State game and the Wisconsin game were not even close. Not even close. They just got dominated in those two games. It's certainly not Shea Patterson's fault, but why do college football people and smart college football people, smarter than me, continue to try to convince you that Jim Harbaugh is anything other than a good, not great football coach? Is it because what he did at Stanford?
1: Forever ago. I think it's still the NFL stuff. I think they still view him with that kind of pedigree. There's there's
0: a reason he's not in the NFL anymore.
1: Right. I think he wants the control over a college program that you don't get in the NFL. When When you coach in the NFL, you're dealing with adults and guys that you know, they're under contract, they make more than head coaches do. You don't have the same kind of control over an NFL locker room that you do over a college program. And I think a guy like Jim Harbaugh that has that kind of in your face mentality does better in college based on that. Does he? Well,
0: maybe not, I guess. Maybe <laughs> I mean, not at
1: Michigan. Maybe he can take a, a step down from Michigan and go somewhere else and he would be really
0: effective. Yeah, but you'll just you'll keep And then you'll have people that'll tell you that Michigan's not a program that should be on the level at Ohio State. And then that just absolutely blows my mind. No, the state doesn't produce the same amount of talent that the state of Ohio does, but uh, they try to convince you that they're on that level, and now suddenly they're not. They have a 110,000-seat stadium. They have all the facility advantages in the world. It's a great school. I mean, you can sell kids on education as well. It, that a degree from Michigan holds weight, man. I mean, you've got every advantage possible. Don't try to tell me that they couldn't be on the same level as Ohio State. If Ryan Day was at Michigan, he'd have gone to the playoff this year. Even, they're
1: set up even with a limited quarterback that's yep. that's extremely accurate. <laughs> they're set up
0: there to compete at a national level, and they don't. I wish people would stop defending it. A few of your texts. I'm glad you guys are listening to us on this New Year's Day. Really appreciate you hanging on, uh, watching football with us, and hanging out. So we'll get to a few of these now as well as after the break. If you want to call us, you can, 888-088-637. Quinn says, Dang, Bork just got my truck for a beer, and you and Steven are working today? Yes, we are. We did this by choice. I think there's something uh, maybe wrong with us. But that's an important thing to throw out there. Nobody's forcing us to be Nobody's here. The rest of the building here. is empty. We are the only ones here, but that is by choice. We chose to be here. Jeff, we will get to your question, Jeff, after the break. Jeff is asking about the, the opening for the New York Giants. Uh, I want to talk about that at length, so we'll get to your question next. Greg and Nettleton uh, is thanking us for, for doing the show today, and, of course, we thank you for being a part. And uh, Greg is having a glass of wine enjoying enjoying the show today, so I'm glad... You are uh, you are with us, George. In West Point says Dabo Sweeney will be the next coach at Alabama after Nick Saban. I don't think that's as big of a lock as some other people do. I think he loves it there at, at some, Clemson. At some point, is Alabama a better job than the Clemson that he's running now? Honestly, he's recruit. He just recruited the number one class, six five stars. That's more than Alabama and Ohio State combined. And what they've done to that place, the facilities around Clemson,
1: the culture that they've built, I don't necessarily see him leaving to go to Alabama. I know he went there and all that kind of stuff, but he's got it pretty good at Clemson right now, and I wouldn't trade that if I was him.
0: I just, Unless he just wants to go back to where it all started. Uh, I mean, there is nothing today... That says that Alabama is a better job than Clemson. So why would you leave? I mean, he he will have statues, multiple. He'll have roads named. He'll have a day in the state of South Carolina. I mean, he's he is Clemson football. And if he goes to Alabama, he's following the guy. It's tough. Can't and play George the underdog money. card at, at Alabama. True. And George says money talks, and you are right. That everybody does have a price. More of your text. We'll continue on with Sports Talk Mississippi Live on New Year's Day. Coming up, stick around. Bouncing around a lot on this Wednesday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi, Michael Borke, Stephen Gagliano with you on this New Year's Day. That's right, no days off for us, no best of. This is not pre-recorded. We are live in the studio, the only ones in the building, which is always kind of an eerie feeling, but we are certainly happy to be doing this and glad that you are with us on this first day of the year 2020. And We are bouncing around a little bit today because I... In case you missed it, if you're just joining us, uh, we open the show basically saying we're going to let you drive the conversation today. I've been toying around with this idea for a while as I plan the show every single day. By the way, that's that's my role on the show is uh, I plan it. That it's So anytime there's uh, content that you don't like, uh, I'm the guy that you can blame for it. I've been mulling around with this idea for a while, especially when it comes to summertime and not a whole lot of sports Uh, hard-hitting sports stories to be talking about, even though this summer we get Olympics, which is awesome, and I can't wait. Uh, Tokyo, I believe, is where the Olympics are this year. Uh, A whatever Wednesday where I think the viewers can drive our conversation. I think that's kind of a, a unique idea, a cool idea, and maybe we'll do it this summer. But today, since I'm controlling everything along with Steven, This is what we're going to do. So we'll start with Jeff's question earlier on the text line, and you want to be a part of the show. You want to get involved. 601-879-4395 is the way you can do it. Jeff asked about the new head coach for the New York Giants. And if I had to guess, let me rephrase that, actually, because I have no idea who they're going to hire. The NFL search processes work out so much better than college search processes. Because they're not afraid to not get the first guy that they were after. You have very public interview requests. Very public interviewing processes. The Giants have five candidates that I can tell you right now will interview for the job. That doesn't happen in college. In college, all the ADs always have to get their guy. They didn't interview anybody else. And I think to Keith Carter's credit with the most recent coaching search here, he didn't say that. I think they went after Mike Norvell first. Now he didn't straight up say actually, Lane Kiffin was choice number two, but they didn't try to push that idea that, well, he was the only coach we wanted and we got our guy. Ross Bjork did that a couple of years ago when they hired Matt Luke. It was we searched far and wide and we found that's not how, that's that's not how that happened. NFL doesn't work that way, so they will interview. I think the the guy that makes the most sense would be Wink Martindale, who's the defensive coordinator at Baltimore, because if he is able to bring Joe Brady with him. To Baltimore, I think that is your best combination, your safest choice hiring a head coach. But you've got him as a candidate, Josh McDaniels is a candidate for uh, basically every job. He's the Patriots offensive coordinator. And when you look at, even though he's had Tom Brady, who's the GOAT, uh, they've had really good offenses with lacking personnel compared to others in the NFL. I mean, I think you would trade what the Patriots have for the Saints, what the Patriots have for the Chiefs, what the Patriots have for, hell, the Rams. I, I mean, their offensive talent is not anywhere close to everybody else in the upper tier of the NFL, and they keep turning out great offenses and winning at a high level. Uh, McDaniels is a reason for that. Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator from the Chiefs, is a candidate. Uh, they'll interview... Uh, Matt Rule after the bowl game tonight, I think the safest choice would be Wink Martindale. But as far as a leader, I honestly have no idea. It's just, it plays out so publicly. It does. And the
1: McDaniels question his name has come up in literally every search over the last, you know, two to three seasons. He obviously had the whole thing with the Colts where he accepted the job, then he didn't accept the job, which. In hindsight, it's pretty smart based on the fact that Andrew Luck retired. But he, he's got to be sticking around in New England for a reason, don't you think? Maybe waiting for the perfect opportunity. Or to take over for Belichick. Which, that could be the perfect opportunity. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> Connecting the dots Exactly. Here. Oh, wow. That's why they keep me around here. Hmm.
0: What about Cleveland.
1: Because Matt Rule already to, said no. Right. which they, they requested to interview McDaniels. I don't know if he's going to take the interview, but he is from Ohio. So there you go. Canton, right? I think so. Where the Hall of Fame is. So, you know, and there was stuff with the Patriots wanting Odell Beckham at a time. He's already on the Browns. Before the draft, there was some stuff with the Patriots and Baker Mayfield. There was a little bit of talk there. At that time, of course, nobody thought he was going to be the number one overall pick, but those are pieces that the Patriots organization liked, and they're already on one team together, so you wonder if that would be enticing enough for him to leave to go coach the Browns. Mm-hmm. But now there's no GM right now, so you've got to maybe wait till you hire a GM, or you hire the coach first and then bring in a GM. I'm curious to see how that's going to work out. Who knows what the Haslam's, man. They're awful. I mean, <laughs> there's got to be some way to get an owner out, right? I mean, after this long of incompetence, you would think that by like a two-thirds vote by the rest of the league. Do they have any old
0: to... tweets that we can dig up? And... <laughs> Maybe. Did they say something questionable when they were a teenager? I don't know. Maybe well, I mean, we can...
1: Jimmy Haslam was under investigation for the whole Flying J pilot thing. There so. it is. You never know. Maybe that comes back to bite them. But, I mean, they they don't know how to run a team. And I'm not saying I know how to run a team either. But that's not our job. That's what we get paid for. We get paid to tell them that they don't know how to do it. Exactly. And when you've been this consistently bad and inept for so long, there's got to be a common denominator. And you've fired coaches. You've hired coaches. You've hired GMs and fired them. And you've gotten rid of players and stuff. But the owner is the one constant. And they're horrible. The only Cleveland Browns fan in the state of Mississippi, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> exactly, and I've got a microphone in front of me, and yes, I'm going to use it. The
0: That's one thing you hope four.
1: they don't mess up is they are redoing the uniforms again this year. Well, they can't so. get any worse. Right, so I'm hoping they just go back to the classic ones, admit that they made a mistake on that, too, and... Man, just oh, what a what a disastrous
0: team that I'm a fan of. Sticking on with whatever Wednesday a question from the 662. How is Michigan so easy to win but just a few hours west Minnesota cannot? It's a good question. I think most of it comes down to money. Michigan has a national brand that they can recruit players nationally. They have uh the one of the most iconic stadiums in the country, 115,000 people or so in the Big House. They have excellent facilities uh, Ann Arbor is an incredible town it's but it's mostly money they have the facilities they have the alumni network they have the stadium they have the brand and Minnesota does not have any of those things and Michigan does produce a little bit more players than Minnesota but they can recruit nationally with the brand that they have and they've been able to do it it's just for some reason hardball can't get over the Ohio State hump. Michigan people, including people that cover the team, will tell you it's because they recruit the right way, and that's why they can't get players uh, that Ohio State gets, and that is just um, that's just ridiculous. So, Roger in – oh, gosh, you're going to do the name thing to me today. I already got made fun of for the tornado coverage that I could not pronounce names – in the state of Mississippi of these uh, these little towns here. I think I can help you with this one.
1: Let's hear it. And that way, if I get it wrong, I'll be the one that gets made fun of. I think it's Rienzi. Rienzi. We'll go
0: with that, Roger. And Roger wants us to talk about Old Miss baseball. And uh, we actually will start doing our previews on this show uh, in about a month. Uh, so once the calendar is about to turn to February is when we're really focused on baseball. But since you asked, and I promised that if you asked, I would answer, I think Old Miss will be able to pitch it well enough early, especially the starting rotation, uh, to where they will be able to overcome uh, replacing uh, Thomas Dillard and Craig Kessinger and all the guys that they lost from last year's team. I think they'll be able to pitch it well enough to overcome some of that early, but it doesn't get I mean, easy at all starting the season with Louisville coming to Oxford, which is just awesome that – Louisville and Ole Miss, two premier programs in college baseball are playing each other. Mississippi State and Oregon State doing the same thing a week later. That is awesome uh, for college baseball in general, especially here in this state. But the schedule for Ole Miss uh, is extremely tough in the early going, but I think their pitching is going to be able to help them navigate through some of that as they work around who's going to be starting where and get some of these young guys uh, some at-bats. I think they'll pitch it well enough early. Uh, especially Nick Casey and Gunnar Hoagland. I think they'll probably start a freshman in that rotation, but those two guys is a one two punch that uh, I don't know how many uh, programs in the SEC you would trade them for Vanderbilt, notwithstanding, who, by the way, you have to play this year from the East. Schedule sets up tough early, but uh, I mean, Mike Bianco's teams are never bad, ever, never bad. Is and it o- going to?
1: Sorry, is it Omaha or
0: bust this year? Though no. I mean, the team's not going to be bad. Mm-mm. I don't mm-hmm. think so. Hey, Omaha or bust should never be a thing in college baseball. And I know your in-state rival is—I uh, mean—made a habit of going to Omaha here in the last few years. Baseball is just one of those sports that's just too tricky. Ryanzi is uh, so close, so close. Thank you guys for uh, <laughs> for chiming in. Chris says, "Good try." By the way, thank uh, you. We appreciate you guys and uh, glad you are with us. But uh, I think getting to hosting regionals and getting to supers should be expectations. Expecting Omaha just with the way baseball is, I don't think that's that's particularly fair. But we will see. More of your texts. We'll get to those next at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Welcome back on this Wednesday afternoon in Sports Talk Mississippi, the first day of the year 2020. I'm Michael Borky. He's Stephen Gagliano with you. Having a relaxing show. I'm kind of slouched in my seat a little bit. I want to take my shoes off. Might do that as well. I can't put my feet up on this desk, or at least I haven't figured out how to do it yet and continue to talk into the microphone. I may do that as well. We are having fun with you, though. Doing a uh, whatever Wednesday. You text us, we'll talk about what you want us to talk about. And Of course, got football games on the TV. Actually, none at the moment. Uh, the Rose Bowl is coming up here in about 15 minutes from right now. Uh, Minnesota beat Auburn earlier. Uh, 31-24 to was the final. Minnesota's first 11-win season since 1904. And then Alabama took care of Michigan. 35-16 was the final. Alabama could have taken a knee and ran out the clock when they were inside of Michigan's five-yard line. Instead, they ran a play, scored a touchdown, and forced a kickoff in Michigan to run two plays. Uh, So I don't know if it was bad blood or what, but Nick Saban uh, kind of stuck it to Michigan there at the end of the game when he could have just simply taken a knee and ended the clock. So we're reacting to all of that today and, of course, getting to your text. So William in Greenville. Uh, we'll get to yours now. He said, first of all, thanks for the live program. Some, programming. Some of us have to work today as well. Uh, hope you're getting through it okay, William, and glad you're with us. He also asked, since you are working, I would like your input on Mississippi State's problems. He said he's thoroughly discussed it with the program coach and the athletic director. So... Now, I've been thinking about this a lot, and we talked about it on the Sunday show some, and I know there's not a whole lot of crossover listening between you right now and those up at eight o'clock in the morning on Sunday. But there is a cultural issue going on there right now. And after Garrett Schrader was punched out of the Music City bowl, the narrative from some in the media there was, well, nothing to see here. Boys will be boys. Willie Gay is a bad expletive, all of that stuff. Basically telling you that there's nothing wrong with a starting linebacker knocking his starting quarterback out of a bowl game. And we told you on Sunday that maybe in isolation, if that happened in a vacuum, you could move on quickly and not think twice about it. Because fights do happen on football fields, in practice. It's a common storyline during NFL training camp that This team was the one that fought first because it happens every year. But to say that, oh, it's just typical boys will be boys when a player knocks his quarterback out of his bowl game by breaking his face, um, I don't buy that. But it didn't happen in a vacuum as well. I mean, this is a program that for the last two years has uh, started games poorly, often look unprepared to start a game have largely been uncompetitive against the better teams on their schedule, despite, especially in 2018, having the talent to be able to do so. Constantly making egregious mistakes penalty-wise. They were one of the most penalized teams in the SEC in 2018. And they weren't just penalties. It was personal foul penalties. It was pre-snap penalties. Then you had the NCAA thing that gets a couple of key players suspended for eight games. And then one of those players gets ejected from one of the games that he can play in and then knocks out your starting quarterback. Oh, and then in the bowl game, you had players suspended for seemingly minor violations as well. There is a cultural issue there. All of those things are a sign of something not right working within the program. And I'm not saying it it can't be fixed because it certainly can. I'm not saying that... uh, There's no hope for Mississippi State next year because even though they have some key losses, I do like Garrett Schrader, and I think the schedule early going for Mississippi State sets up to get some wins and get comfortably back into a bowl game. But right now, all of those things that I've mentioned are indicators of a cultural issue. And it starts and ends with the head coach. But if you want to talk about the the hire itself and the athletic director who made that hire on paper, it was a really good one. The search was done quickly and with very little leaks, and you hired a guy that ran a dynamic offense at Penn State who had been a head coach, albeit at a smaller level before. There are hires that just don't work sometimes, even though on paper they were the right hire. For example, Arkansas and Sam Pittman, it may end up working out on paper. Horrendous hire. Terrible. Terrible hire. Awful. Joe Moorhead was not a bad hire on paper. It's not working out. It doesn't seem to fit. But it was a it was a good hire. It's just not working right now. And it certainly doesn't help when you beat a bad old miss team. And let's not make any mistake about it. I know they have some athletes, and that's why Lane Kippen is there because they were more attractive roster-wise than Arkansas was, but that was a terrible Ole Miss team. They beat nobody of consequence. It takes a player lifting his leg to fake pee like a dog to beat a battle Miss team at home, and what you do after the game is say, all I need is the guys in the locker room. Everybody else, the fans, can kick rocks. You cannot have these kind of mistakes and these cultural issues while also telling everybody to buzz off. There's problems there, and they need to get fixed immediately, or else Mississippi State will be searching for a coach next year. It's Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. I listen to that work. That work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Number two on this New Year's Day at Sports Talk Mississippi. I'm Michael Borky, Stephen Gagliano with you. Had a really fun first hour. You know, I had a plan. I wrote out a plan here, but decided, you know, I'll let you, the listener, dictate where we went and uh, not at all what the plan was, but that's okay. I'm glad you're with us on this New Year's Day and uh, enjoying ringing in the New Year with you. I guess the post New Year hangover with you. The Rose Bowl is about to get underway. The greatest visuals in college football. Not the greatest visuals in sport. That absolutely belongs to the Masters. Uh, You cannot tell me otherwise. But the greatest visual in college football or football in general is the Rose Bowl. When the sun sets over the San Gabriel Mountains, it doesn't get better than this right here.
1: What game? Was it the playoff game where there's already a commercial for the Masters, though? It's a little early, isn't it? There was one a couple weeks ago. Man. Man. Like As he, if people aren't going to watch. Do you really need to start telling me in December that yeah. the Masters is coming? I'm pretty
0: sure I'm going to watch anyway. <laughs> it just felt a little premature. But I mean, hey, you know, everybody loves seeing the Masters. But my goodness, that was, uh, you know, just give us, give us until February before you start talking about the Masters. Let us get a th- get through uh, at least the NFL playoffs before we start talking. Uh, About the Masters. Oregon has just taken the field now. The game's getting ready to kick off. A a beautiful setting. Oregon's wearing just awful, awful uniforms. They are black with a chrome helmet and the biggest number font you have ever seen in your entire life. And they are yellow numbers. Just a terrible, ugly uniform across the classic Wisconsin Whites uh, getting ready to get underway. Oregon had
1: such a good thing going for a little while with the uniform thing, and it was different, and it was new. They had new uniforms for everything. Now they're all just horrendous looking. They've ruined it. I don't know why they decided to go so over the top with it, but now
0: it just doesn't look good anymore. We do have a couple finals if you've been with us from the beginning. You already know, but uh, Auburn, Gus Malzahn back on the hot seat. For losing to Minnesota 31 24, Alabama smoked Michigan. It was a 16 14 halftime lead for Michigan, and they lose 35 16 in the football game. Mac Jones threw for 327 and three touchdowns. And Auburn, by the way, excuse me, Michigan has now lost 20 straight road or neutral site games against top 15 teams. 20 consecutive losses on the road, or neutral site games against top 15 teams. And
1: Harbaugh's hot seat doesn't feel like a real thing. It seems like they're just going to give him a lifetime to try to figure this thing out, but they're going to keep on dealing with mediocrity, I'll call it, until maybe he gets a win over Ohio State. But they would never fire Jim Harbaugh, it doesn't seem like, or else it would have happened already.
0: Uh, a bunch more of your texts have come in. We'll get to those in a second. I do want to bring up something because it's been the growing talk. We mentioned it earlier, but let's actually talk about it here, is uh, Tua's future. A lot of people in college football circles, apparently the buzz around Camping World Stadium today in Orlando was the fact that Tua tonga is going to return as the quarterback of at Alabama. That is the growing conversation even though he would be a first round pick. That would happen. He would be a first round pick. Maybe not a top 10 guy because of that injury. He would be a first round pick potentially coming back to school. And I've got to preface this because apparently it really bothers people sometimes when you say uh, when you say what a, uh, an athlete should do. Because of course, it is just their own decision. Tua's not listening to me right now, so don't worry about it. With the, I, I with think that he had headphones on on yeah, the maybe sidelines so. at one point, so you never know. With that disclaimer in mind, Tua Tagovailoa should absolutely not return to Alabama next season. And not because I think that they would be really, really good and compete for a national championship and light up Ole Miss and Mississippi State, making that week not fun for us. I mean because when you can get generational wealth, life-changing money, when that option is on the table for you, you should do it. And I am not saying it. it's a bad decision. I think it would be commendable if he wants to come back to school because he loves Alabama and wants to win a national championship with his brothers, guys that he has bonded with over the last few years, uh, lifelong friendships. You feel like family with your, your teammates. It's commendable. But if you have, in my opinion, if you have life-changing wealth on the table in front of you, you should take it. Especially when you're a guy who has had multiple injuries ending your season in college. Because as Peter Burns said, uh, Tua is not going to be the number one overall pick. That'll be Joe Burrow. He might not even be the second quarterback taken off the board. It's, a, it's entirely possible that he's not. But he will go in the first round. A guy that talented will not fall out of the first round. Whether or not he can work out in April for the combine, it doesn't matter. He's not falling out of the first round, broken hip or not. But Peter Burns said, and he's right, the, the contract value if he's a top five pick next year is much greater than if he's the number 21 pick this year. But there is also the risk, and it seemingly is one that has happened every year to the poor kid, of you getting injured. How many injuries can you sustain before you realize that if you're getting the chance to make money while playing football, you have to go do it? And the interesting thing is, if he
1: goes to the draft this year and he's not the number one overall pick, he may slide a little bit, but that might be better. It might become a redshirt year for him if he lands somewhere. I'm just I'm looking at the, at the draft order right now. The Colts have the 13th pick. Say he gets drafted by the Colts, they let Jacoby Brissett play another year, and then Tua takes over. They gave him—I think they gave
0: healthy. Brissett a four-year contract, right? Something like that. Yeah, it, I'll it was have to a look that up term. to be sure. But they gave him a contract that had multiple years on it. So you sit him next year, let him get healthy, and groom him to be your starter when you have a roster that's conducive of winning.
1: Right, or Jacksonville at 20. They, you know, they have Nick Foles under an ungodly contract that they have to pay him. <laughs> He's not good, but you know, let him play out next year. Let Tua sit, and then you'll have fans in the seats to come see Tua. So, I, I honestly think that that is a much better alternative than coming back to Alabama with the risk of getting hurt just to, I, again, run through a schedule that you're probably going to go undefeated, maybe lose one game or something like that, and compete for a national title, but he's already done that. So right. why not sit in the NFL for a year and make money while you're doing it and while you're making sure that you're
0: 100%? Again, and it, of course it is his decision, but it would be inexplicable. I think Matt Hinton is the one that said that, and I think that's the right word to use. I mean, there is just no reason to stay when you can get that life-changing money and you don't risk getting injured again. But, of course, again, and it's his decision, he can do what he wants, and it would be great for college football if he's back. Not so good for Ole Miss and Mississippi State if he's back, but uh, that is the buzz around the college football world, is that he is returning. But, Career-wise, it's just hard to imagine turning down a first-round. I mean, Justin Herbert did it. The guy playing right now, I can't believe I didn't think of this until just now, at Oregon. He was going to be a first-round pick last year. You want to know who's not getting picked in the first round this year? Justin Herbert at Oregon.
1: I think he'll still get picked in the first round, just Ooh, that based would be on a massive mistake. I think it would be too. I'm just saying. I think based on the quarterback needy teams, they get desperate around the draft, and yeah. they, you know, they'll watch the combine. They'll say, "Wow, he's got arm talent," and they'll take him in the first round. And it, yeah, it might be a bad decision, but somebody's going to take him. He, but he last year he would have been the, like the number one pick, maybe. Right?
0: He so lost he, a ton of money coming
1: back to school. Right. So did Matt Barkley all those years ago. I remember yes, he came he back for his senior year. That was a horrible decision.
0: But it's one that uh, is out there right now, so that's something certainly to keep an eye on. People have been teasing huge college football news upcoming, and it certainly sounds like that would be uh, the one that makes the most sense. Alabama, I mean, yet again, this is a down year, a disappointing year, and they won 11 games. I mean, imagine that. Must be nice. They beat Michigan in a bowl game to win their 11th game, and people are not happy. And it's a game that
1: a lot of people thought that they might not really be overly interested in, and that might be overblown a little bit, but it's a game that they really didn't have any business Nick being Saban interested in. Saban doesn't let
0: that happen. Right. Everybody points to that Sugar Bowl where they lost to Utah. You know who was coaching that Utah team? Urban Meyer. They just lost that day. They lost. Hey, but if you remember back when Ole Miss beat Alabama a couple of times, you remember the narrative, don't you? Of course. Ole Miss didn't beat Alabama. Alabama beat themselves. Alabama didn't care about being in the Sugar Bowl. Utah cared. Alabama didn't care. That's why they lost. If they cared, they would have won. I do think that
1: game meant a lot more to Michigan, though. It did. If they would have won it, they would have pointed, uh, look, we beat the big bad SEC. We yep. beat Nick Saban. For Alabama, this game
0: doesn't really, the win doesn't mean a ton. Nope. You can't go into living rooms and improve your ring collection anymore. But I guess they'll add one on there. We'll get to your text next. 601-879-4395 at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Oregon on the board first in the Rose Bowl first. First. In the Rose Bowl, Justin Herbert completed a 12-play, 75-yard drive with a little zone read, pulled the ball, Beats the defender to the edge and scores a touchdown. So six gonna be seven nothing there. Oregon in the Rose Bowl. This is Sports Talk, Mississippi. I'm Michael Borkey, Stephen Gagliano with you on this first day of the year 2020. Just hanging out, kicking back today, and really glad you are with us. I opened up the text line for you. Uh, whatever you want us to talk about, we will do uh, 601-879-4395 on the C-Spire text line. And I was gonna get to this anyway. MP in Oxford, because uh, it's something that I think is an NBA story that people will care about. And the jumping off point is some unfortunate news, though. Today it was uh, kind of coming for a little while. I hate to be so morbid when I say it that way, but uh, David Sterner had been uh, sick for a little bit, and the former commissioner of the NBA uh, passed away at 77 today. And he is the guy that that is most notably known for the NBA's rapid, rapid growth. I mean, he was the commissioner for 30 years, and in those 30 years, that league became something that had its finals on tape delay. That's right. The NBA finals were not on live television when he took over. I mean, it was an afterthought. Nobody cared about basketball, and he brought it into extreme national prominence to the point where ratings are down now over the last couple of years, and you're still getting 20 million people to watch NBA Finals games. And that is all a credit back to David Stern. He was a guy that simply made today's NBA, with its popularity, with its reach, what it is. And something that hits a little close to home to me, no, I'm not from New Orleans, but after I moved to Mississippi a decade ago, I adopted the sports teams in the city And uh, he saved NBA basketball in the city of New Orleans. Uh, The Pelicans are not there. Zion Williamson is not getting ready to play his first game in New Orleans here in just uh, a few short weeks without David Stern. After Katrina went through, uh, it it was David Stern and uh, the owner there, Tom Benson, who also owned the Saints, who uh, almost moved them to San Antonio, but the the people there – Got them to stick around. Uh, NBA basketball was going to leave the city of New Orleans until David Stern and Tom Benson worked it out and kept the team in the city. Uh, so he's important to that city and that region of the country. I know in South Mississippi along the coast, we have a ton of uh, New Orleans football and basketball fans. And uh, a lot of you, unfortunately, remember the devastation that was Katrina. And he was one of the ones that helped keep professional sports in that region, and that spills over into the state of Mississippi as well. So uh, a sad day in the NBA as David Stern uh, passes away at 77, Uh, but good to remember his legacy and what he left behind, which was making the NBA today what it is, and and like I just said, saving basketball in the Crescent City, not too far from where we sit right now. Speaking of the NBA... I mentioned him a second ago. You can't see me because this is a audio platform. I'm wearing a Zion Williamson shirt today. So, MP, you asked for basketball. I'll give you basketball. There was rumor, reporting, whatever you want to call it, over the last couple of weeks that Zion was uh, dunking and, and running and able to participate in basketball stuff. By the way, Wisconsin just returned the kickoff back for a touchdown. So it will be 7-7. In the Rose Bowl. Exciting scoring early in that game. Unless you're watching on the stream, then it's still a commercial. Oh, I ruined it for Steven. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, they're going to return the kickoff back for a touchdown. I bet you 20 bucks that happens. Uh, yeah, Zion will be back soon. The, the initial prognosis they gave after his injury, which was a meniscus injury, and I believe they took the whole thing out, by the way. Uh, was six to eight weeks. We are far beyond the six to eight week window. I think eight weeks was two weeks ago. But the problem with with him is his body is just so big and explosive that they needed to work on uh, things, even including the way he ran and the way he jumped. They had to reshape uh, the way he did everything in basketball. And also they worked on diet plans and stuff like that. So it's been taking longer then the six- to eight-week window to get him back on the court. But soon we will get Zion Williamson finally in the NBA, the most transcendent star since LeBron James with the biggest following, the biggest hype, and the explosive dunks. I mean, since LeBron James entered the league, he's finally going to be back soon. He's now dunking in pregame warm-ups. He's about to participate in his first full practice uh, for the first time. He's coming back soon, and I could not be any more excited. And so to throw some cold
1: water on that, on Sunday I kind of teased that maybe we would talk about it the next week that I would kind of let him sit for the entire year. And you know, that would be a wildly unpopular opinion in New Orleans or here with the amount of Pelicans fans that there probably are. But they're there on the coast, man. Right, it's a, a cautionary tale almost to I'm not going to say they're rushing him back because they're clearly doing the opposite. They threw out the timetable. They're letting him take that extra time, but I and I know they've won four straight, and I know you're pumped up about that. But they're 11 and 23 right now, and I'm not sure that bringing him back now, after what seemed to be a more major injury than what some people may think, to bring him back at this point far outweighs, or the negatives outweigh the positives, in my opinion. I would just let him get really healthy and come back next season. You can sell more tickets for next year. I know they sold a ton, so they probably want him to play in front of those fans. But I don't know. When you look at what the 76ers did with Joel Embiid, maybe he could have come back in his rookie season, but they just decided to let him rest, and you've seen him become one of the NBA's best players. So I don't know. Again, sorry to throw some
0: cold water on him possibly coming back, but that's what I would do. They're not going to do that, though. He will play this year. Right. He's going to. And they're only three games out of uh, the eight seed in the West right now. I mean, they they had a 13-game losing streak in there. And suddenly they decided they wanted to play good defense and are distributing the basketball better and communicating, and everybody's back and healthy. Now they've won five of six, and they actually look like the team you thought they were going to be all year. The one thing is missing is rotational depth. At the four, and here comes Zion able to play the four and just really add to that rotation, add a scoring threat that they don't have uh, from their second unit. I mean, what he, if he's 100%, which he will be, they're not rushing it. There's apparently he could have played at the eight week window, but they're just, they're doing the whole reshaping the running thing, as I mentioned, and he's so dynamic. And so unique because that body – and people call him fat because people are stupid. It's that height and that size with that explosiveness is, I mean, unparalleled. LeBron's taller and longer. And he at no point was that explosive weighing 285 pounds. It just – it didn't – he's such a unique figure. And it worked in the preseason. He played in all four, or all three of the preseason games and looked really good doing it. Nobody could defend him. He was too explosive at that size. You could, you're going to put a center on him, and he's going to beat you with speed. You're going to put like a, a wing on him, and he's too strong for you to do that. So he's just a unique player, and, and Steven, Stevens raining on my parade here. Uh, I am just so thrilled to watch this kid play. Did Lonzo stop shooting yet? I
1: haven't watched as much Pelicans basketball as you. Uh, he's taking much better shots. There you go.
0: That's an improvement. In rhythm, not step backs early in the shot clock, like letting them come to him. It's amazing what happens when you don't force things when you're a bad shooter. It's, it's just amazing. Anyway, so there you go, MP. There's your NBA talk for the day. We will uh, we will move on from that, though. A few other of your texts to get to, as well as a lot of football stuff and reaction from last night's game as well. You want to be a part of the show, you can. 601-879-4395. Ask us anything, and we will answer for you on this first day of the year 2019. You can also call if you want to be a part of the show that way. 888- 2020. Oh, I said 2019. Yeah. That's the first one. All right. We're in a time machine. That's the machine. first one. Oh, man. yeah, You knew that was going to happen eventually. It'll happen a hundred
1: more times to yeah. everybody else, too, so just don't, don't worry about it. it.
0: 2020, the first day and the first show of the year 2020. It's great to be with you and would love to hear from you on this Wednesday afternoon. We're looking at the Rose Bowl right now, 7-7, to uh, Wisconsin and Oregon, nine minutes to go in the first quarter. And tonight you've got the Sugar Bowl that apparently nobody wants to go to. If you want to quick get in the car and head on down to New Orleans and those of us you know south of I-20 – Uh, You can do it in a heartbeat, and you can get into the game for $5 if you'd like to. Really? Really. Wow. That's not good. Justin Herbert threw an interception. Oh, goodness, Wisconsin threatening in the Rose Bowl right now. We'll be right back in Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. I completely forgot about something that was said this summer. Right before the season started from Jim Harbaugh. No wonder Nick Saban punched one in with just a few seconds left to, I mean, let's call it what it was, running up the score. In case you missed it, Alabama had a commanding two-touchdown lead. The time was expiring. They were inside of Michigan's five-yard line, if I remember correctly. And instead of taking a knee that would have ended the game, Alabama went ahead and tried to score and successfully did so to make it 35 to 16. There was, I think, 10 seconds left in the game. They kicked it off to Michigan. Michigan had to run a couple of plays, and the ballgame ended. There was also no postgame handshake. And I forgot that Jim Harbaugh this summer, when talking about recruiting at Michigan, said it's hard to beat the cheaters in the SEC. Aha. That makes sense then. And maybe Nick Saban was doing it. Maybe he wasn't. But I would like to think deep down, Nick Saban said, here's your cheater right here, Jim, and shoved another one down his throat as he beat the brakes off of his football team. I forgot he did that. I wouldn't put it past Nick Saban at
1: all to do something like that, and rightfully so. Again, if if you're a guy like Jim Harbaugh that's going to keep kind of running your mouth and say things like that with no results to show for
0: it, then that's going to happen to you, and it should. This is the kind of stuff that comes from Michigan, by the way. Uh, In the article, I found to make sure that I had that correctly, because it hit me, right? that I forgot Jim Harbaugh took a shot at the SEC this summer. In the article, the Michigan Director of Recruiting said, Name another school that competes with the Blue Bloods athletically Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson while competing with the Blue Bloods academically Stanford, Northwestern and Princeton Most of the players we recruit are good enough to play for Alabama and Clemson and smart enough to play for the Ivy League schools. If you don't win in the classroom you won't be here on Saturday That is the biggest load of crap I've ever heard in my entire life. Michigan is a great school I probably couldn't have gotten into there if I would have applied myself in high school instead of worried about you know football and stuff, then maybe. But I couldn't have. to grade school. It is not on par with Stanford and Northwestern and Princeton. They do not have these same academic requirements that stop them from getting any player they want. They can get whatever players that they want to. It's a public school. They can do what they want. But this is the kind of stuff you get from Michigan, and this is the kind of stuff you get from people who lose. That's what happens. You see it in this state all the time. You didn't really see it after the Egg Bowl, though, because of how that happened, but usually it's if one school beats the other for a recruit, it's all that school cheated. Same thing in the games. I mean, that's what happens. That's what people do. Instead of just acknowledging the fact that it's college football, it's major college football, everybody cheats, including the illustrious Michigan University, then we would all be happier. But instead, we have to pretend that our school and our program is clean when our rival and the team we hate is dirty. Oh, I get so sick of that. And it's the kind of holier-than-thou
1: mentality that's in that kind of statement from Michigan that gets people to look at you and just kind of throw their hands up and be like, you know what, like— this is why it's hard to root for you, or this is why you're going to keep getting pummeled by Ohio State, and you're going to lose to the Alabamas of the world when you play them in a bowl game, because you're just putting a target on your back, yep. and that's exactly what it did, and that's why Nick Saban ran up the score when he did at the end of the game.
0: They root against you, and, and I'm, I think we've started to see less and less of that around here. I think people have finally figured it out that hey, you know, we're both kind of doing some things and. Maybe we should just shut up about it. Hopefully that's the direction that we're going. It would also help if players stop posting uh, stuff on their social media about holding cash, because that's happened a couple of times, one particularly recently. If they stop doing that, it would make things easier. However, it goes on everywhere. And being the ones to pretend like, no, it's it's you, my rival, that cheats, and we do it the right way You are the one that looks stupid in this exchange, not the rival that you're trying to claim is morally corrupt. And it'll never end either. No No.
1: matter what happens with this NCAA, you know, allowing players to get money from their likeness thing, this will continue. Because even when a player has an endorsement from a local car dealership and it's confirmed that they made $25,000 a year for it, I don't know the numbers. That's just, I'm making that up people will still say, well, they got paid under the table. They're actually making 250000 for that from that car dealership owner to play at, insert whatever, school here. So this will never end. No. So anybody that thinks, oh, on the horizon, these rules might change, that does not matter.
0: So there, there's your New Year's resolution. Stop doing the cheating finger pointing because you do it too. There's one. <laughs> Here's your positivity for this New Year's Day. We'll get to the text line now. Anthony in Atlanta. He's a listener of ours in Atlanta. Gotta love it. Uh, Anthony, good to hear from you. He said, nice to hear you guys during the day off. What do you think about players sitting out bowl games? Um, so here's the thing. Unless it starts happening for the playoff, then I don't think it's a problem right now. Because as much as we love these bowl games and sometimes they're really important like the Music City Bowl was important for Mississippi State still had a couple of players sit out but we care about the bowl games they do mean something it is teams playing against each other they matter in some degree but they are still kind of glorified exhibition games there's no real stakes on it so if a player Is looking at potential generational wealth and they decide not to play in that bowl game I can't sit here and tell them that's a bad decision because I myself have never been faced with the opportunity to change my life with wealth I have a two and a half month old baby if I was offered money that would change his life I would take it I would take it And I can't blame somebody and finger-point at somebody for doing the same thing. We don't know the situation that some of these players are in. um, I mean, some of them have kids of their own. Uh, Multiple college football players that I know have made this decision did so because they had a a girlfriend or a fiancé with a young child. And... Staying in school and risking injury is just not something that was in the cards when they can go make millions and change their life. There are some players that come from extremely poor backgrounds that uh, mom and dad don't have a car or they live in a rundown house without heat. Those kind of things. I just Until I am in that situation, I can't criticize them you know, for making sure that money is safe. I don't think it's a wrong decision. And I don't think it's the wrong decision for them to still play in the bowl game. Kylan Hill, for example, got hurt in the bowl game. But it's still a good decision for him to play. I think neither decision is wrong. And until I'm faced with that situation, and I guess I technically kind of am because I do have a situation that would um, drive me to make a decision that was purely financial I mean, my commitments be damned, I would make that decision. So I don't see anything wrong with it. I don't know what these guys' situation is. And largely, I know there is some issue with Mississippi State this year. I know there was a tweet that was sent out from one player about another player sitting at the bowl game. But largely, the teams understand why this decision is being made, and they support it as well. And from a football perspective,
1: the way I've always seen it is, and I, I guess I hate to say it this way if, if you expect a yes or no answer kind of thing, but if the player is, you know, if he's headed to the first round, no doubt he's got a first round grade on him. Everybody says he'll get drafted early. Sit out the bowl game. If it's not a meaningful game like the playoffs, there's really no reason. But if you're a, you know, a second to third round pick, projected late round pick, I would play in the bowl game because you can really help yourself, I guess, by showing up in a nationally televised game. You get the exposure from it and you can play your way. Maybe if you're a fourth round pick, you play your way into the third round just based on game tape. But yeah, if you're Joe Burrow and you were in the, the camping world bowl or whatever, instead of the college football playoff, no, there's no reason to play. So that's the kind of way I see it from a football perspective.
0: We had a text here from the 662 that says, I fully expect it to start happening even in the playoffs. And I would have a problem with it then because this is a game that matters. That if you sit out a playoff game, that is leaving your team behind when they actually need you because it's a game with stakes and a game that matters. I would be surprised, though, that it, if it happens, I really would, unless there's some kind of injury that the player is choosing not to risk. But just outright sitting the playoff game, I, I would be surprised if that happens. I really would. But, hey, you may be right. I'm really glad that you are listening on this Wednesday afternoon. At Sports Talk Mississippi, I'm Michael Borke, Stephen Gagliano with you. Rose Bowl going on right now. We've got the Sugar Bowl tonight. NFL playoffs this weekend. A whole lot coming your way in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Stick around. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi on this Wednesday. First day of the new year. It's great to be with you. You want to be a part of the show, you can a couple of ways. On the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395 or you can call us. We'll talk to you if you want to call us. 888-808-8637. It is really good to be with you Watching the Rose Bowl right now, Wisconsin has a 10-7 to lead, and there's this, it's not an idea, it's a fact, that the Rose Bowl will never move their game from New Year's Day. January 1st will always be the day that hosts the Rose Bowl, without wavering. They will not move their game. And so when they host the playoff, the semifinal, then that works out great. But on years like this one, when they don't, the playoff has to play on another day. That's why they picked this past Saturday. It is so obvious. Ralph Russo of the AP laid it out perfectly. On years when the Rose Bowl does not host the college football playoff, here's what the schedule should be. You have a college football semifinal game at 1 o'clock Eastern. Then the Rose Bowl after that. Then the other college football semifinal at 8.30 Eastern. Boom. It is so simple. It's a perfect football sandwich. And you can keep everybody happy because the Rose Bowl is not moving their game. But the college football playoff and viewership hurts when it's not on New Year's Day.
1: Do you think the Rose Bowl rating would suffer, though, being sandwiched between the two college football playoff games? Because people might take that as the time to, like, oh, let me go grab something to eat or whatever, and I'll get back in time for the second playoff game. That
0: would be the only drawback I would see. The lead into the second playoff game, though, would be massive. Because nothing in college football gets watched more than the playoff games. Even though they've suffered somewhat. I think the first year they were not on New Year's Day, when they were on New Year's Eve, uh, the Rose Bowl almost beat it.
1: Which yeah, is the just ratings
0: were bad that year. Because people do things on New Year's Eve. Not us. We don't... No. We, we don't we, have fun. We don't do things on New Year's Eve. Although, <laughs> I guess this is a tradition. Uh, my wife and I have been told by our family, it was something that my dad always did. Uh, we will have... Pork chops and black-eyed peas and some form of cabbage. That's our thing. We do every New Year's Day, and that's we the whole do that because we're thing. yeah yeah. So that's really a thing. Like people have heard of that outside of her and I. And I my had, parents. I had
1: not heard of it until I got here and met my girlfriend. Her family does it. Before that, we I had never heard of it. So, but yeah, I guess it is a thing. Yeah. So we'll do that. But people do stuff on New Year's Eve. I went out to dinner last night. That was fun. Did you? Yeah, was it good. It was good. Made it back in time for regular. I shouldn't say regular, but since I'm from Atlanta, I still claim that kind of Eastern Time Zone New Year's. Man,
0: that's people. That's when it is too, though. Right. Like I, I've been to a couple of New Year's parties here, like in my adult life. In college, you didn't even know like when it actually was New Year's. It just kind of happened. You know, you're at the party, but like nobody watched the ball drop or whatever. I've been to a couple here, and that's when everybody. Like paid attention. The parties kind of died after eleven,
1: right? Because I mean, when you are watching in Times Square, that's when they do the whole thing. And now they do one. I think they did it in New Orleans. They dropped like the Florida Lee, so they did kind of a semi celebration at Central Time midnight, also, which was nice. But yeah, once I see it hit midnight in the Eastern Time Zone, I'm kind of like, all right, I made it. It's New Year's. But I did make it for both this year. I was surprised, but I did make it.
0: Congrats, man. Thank you. It's a big accomplishment. I ended up falling asleep to criminal minds at about 11.15. So close. Good show. Yeah. Got exponentially better. The first season is garbage. Just power through that. It gets better as it goes. Today really is whatever Wednesday. I like it. I mean, you know, we can give you a play-by-play of the Rose Bowl, but I think the FCC would not allow us to do that. I think they blocked that, don't they? I think so. I don't know. Let's I know we're not out. allowed to do it. <laughs> yeah, not a good idea. Or maybe it's just bad radio. By the way, here's a confirmation that Alabama fans have only been fans since they started winning. The SB Nation blog Roll Bama Roll says on Twitter, "Imagine losing to Minnesota in the sport of American football." You may remember Alabama lost to Minnesota in the sport of football in 2004. Oops. Sorry about that. You just shattered a lot of people's worlds right there. Oh man, it was the Music City Bowl, 2004 Music City Bowl, six and six Alabama, lost to seven and five Minnesota, twenty to sixteen. It's just amazing. I mean, people that actually cover the team don't even know anything that happened before Nick Saban. It's almost as like almost as if they uh, only care about a team that's winning and not for. Any real like geographical or otherwise reason. In sports that happens? People no, just jump on a bandwagon. Never. I've always been a Lakers and a <laughs> Yankees and now a Baltimore Ravens fan. Sports Talk Mississippi, hour number three coming up. Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Hello. Is there anybody in there? Just not if you can hear me. Is there
0: Welcome into to the 5 o'clock hour Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Stephen Gagliano with you on the first day of the year 2020. Got it right this time. Glad you are with us. You can be a part of the show a couple of ways this afternoon. You can text us 601-879-4395 or you can give us a call. 888 So we've done a lot of talking today. Kind of random at times, but done a lot of talking today. And, oh, how about this? Steven, you got a fan here on the text line. So we'll talk about that in a second. It didn't pop up for me, but I can't wait to read it. Um, Alabama beat Michigan earlier in the day. Shea Patterson was getting praise for being extremely accurate on the broadcast, even though the numbers don't really bear that out. In case you missed it, I think it was Greg McElroy said that uh, his biggest plus side was that he was extremely accurate in a season where he was completing 57% of his passes, which was 20 whole percent fewer than Joe Burrow. 10% fewer than Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Just throwing that out there. Talked about uh, Minnesota and Auburn. Minnesota beat Auburn for their first 11-win season since 1904. P.J. Fleck next year will be a hot commodity. A hot commodity in the coaching carousel. I don't know what kind of job would be open for him next year, though, because he's not just going to jump anywhere. Maybe Michigan. (sighs) Maybe Michigan. That—that's the one that
1: immediately comes to mind as far as like a blue chip program that would want, or that PJ Fleck would want to take over. Southern Cal may be open. Actually, that will
0: be open. Southern Cal is going to be open. It should have been open this year, but uh, it should
1: be open after that bowl game.
0: I wonder if that shtick works there. They so, need something. It works at a program like Minnesota. But does the row the boat thing work at Southern Cal? You would like, I mean, he's a good football coach, so probably. But it's different. Gimmicks are cool when they work. It's different when they don't.
1: Right. Right now, though, a program like USC that has so much tradition and has a passionate fan base, they're not trying anything different. They're sticking with Clay Helton, who, what's it, five years now that he's been there? What have they won? There, There's no reason to keep him around at this point. And now their recruiting class is ranked, what, 75th or something like that? So th- they've got to try something different. And something, or, and something and somebody out of the box like P.J. Fleck might just be a good hire for them.
0: Hmm. It's a really, really good point. So we talked a lot about that today. You can find the entire conversation on the Sports Talk podcast. We also got asked about NBA stuff, Uh, David Stern uh, passing away today, the reason that basketball remains in New Orleans and the reason that the NBA uh, got as big as it did. It went from, as I said a second ago, imagine this, Stephen. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. 1984, when he took over, was not that long ago, and the NBA Finals were being played on tape delay. They were not live. That is crazy. Like When you think about that, the biggest
1: event in the league wasn't on live TV. And it's not like in today's day and age where it was just like, well, I can watch it on a stream somewhere or I can follow it on Twitter. That wasn't an option back then, so you had to wait until
0: the NBA Finals was replayed on TV yeah. to watch. Same thing with the Miracle on Ice. Not many people, people that were alive then remember this, but one thing that was kind of left out of the movies, if if you weren't there, it was tape delayed. I didn't know that, actually. It was tape delayed. Interesting. How about that? <laughs>
1: What time was it over? Or no, it was in. It was uh, in Lake Placid. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> that,
0: that part. It's I just, did that's just that's how things happened uh, back then. But that's what the NBA used to be, and and David Stern made it what it is today. And uh, I guess we can talk about this if you'd like. There is a significant ratings decline in the league, down twenty five percent over the last two years. Uh, a lot of people are trying to figure out why. I think the answer is very very simple. And it's always the people that work for ESPN that can't figure out why when it's really their fault. One, the China thing. They were going down before that, but when you have the league's biggest star, biggest draw, tell somebody that supports democracy that they are misinformed, that's going to piss off middle America. The NFL learned that the hard way. They had ratings decline during the anthem protests. They don't protest anymore. Magically, NFL is way up. Imagine that. That's not the end-all be-all, but that is certainly playing a role in this. I have talked to multiple people that were just casual sports fans that would have otherwise put an NBA game on that don't right now because the league's biggest star said supporting democracy was misinformation. That is a big deal. But I think most importantly is the fact that you have the biggest rights holder in ESPN, Tell you that not only does the regular season not matter, anywhere outside of the city of Los Angeles does not matter. All they do, all they talk about is the Lakers and the Clippers or what star in another market should join the Lakers and the Clippers. They tell you that your city, your team, and this regular season does not matter. That's all they talk about. We are talking about Anthony Davis's options in free agency when the season's over. And it's January 1st. They're so unaware of the damage they're doing to themselves, and they're the ones that spend all the money on the rights deals. It's their fault. That's why nobody's watching NBA basketball. Or that's why there's a big decline, is if you're not in L.A. or you're not a fan of L.A., you don't matter. That's what they're telling you, and so people tune it out. It's not rocket science, but they can't figure it out. Right, and I think a partial
1: contributing factor is before the season started, you know, they've got to pick these games so you can't necessarily fault them for it. But some of the teams that are on TV a lot aren't any good. And the main one obviously being the Warriors. They're a last place team right now because I mean you can't predict that Steph Curry is going to get hurt and that they're going to be one of the worst teams in the NBA. But when teams like that are on TV a lot, people aren't going to tune in and check out like, "Oh, what's the game?" you know the what's it Wednesday night NBA on ESPN something like that so when they look at I that I know they
0: have Lakers Pelicans Friday right but that's a personal thing <laughs> but
1: yeah if if it's not Lakers Clippers they don't necessarily push it out there like they should if they want the ratings to improve and people aren't going to tune in because like you said that's those are the only two teams they're hyping up so it's like well I'll just watch when they're in the finals against the Bucks or whatever But, yeah, until then, they've got a problem
0: on their hands. The average sports, maybe not the average sports fan, but the average listener of our show right now does not know who Luka Doncic is. And that name is like, ah, who is that guy? He is having the best start of a career in the history of the league. The kid is unbelievable. He can shoot from anywhere. He can beat people past the dribble. He can defend. He can pass. He is, he might be, he is the best player in the league right now. He is appointment viewing. Watch him every single night. He is unbelievable. His numbers are better than Kobe. They're better than MJ. They're better than LeBron. He is. This start of his career is the best ever. And people don't know him because he doesn't play in L.A. He's in Dallas instead, which is a big market, but they just don't pay attention to it. And by the way, now that I've said that, Now that football is coming down to a close, we've got the NFL this weekend, and the playoffs and the Super Bowl will be fun, but you're going to very soon be in a a sports lull where during the week you're not going to have much to do. If you see the Dallas Mavericks, watch them. I'm telling you, watch them. You will not regret doing it. The kid is unbelievable, and he doesn't look like he's supposed to be good at basketball. In fact, his resting face looks like he's about to cry. I mean, he's, he's a baby. He's a baby out there, and he's better than everybody else. The and guy is unbelievable. That team has Porzingis too. It's not yeah, a bad seven foot three. I mean, they're really good. Try them out.
1: Yeah, for them they are stuck in the West though, unfortunately. So oh, yeah. you know they're in fifth right now. But no, right, like you said, nobody's going to talk about them because the Lakers are in first and the Clippers are in third. And as long as that holds true, that's yep. all that people are going to focus on.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a shame But that's why the ratings are down That is why the ratings are down We get a text here from the 601 The Indy 500 was once on tape delay It's how we used to do it back then, man Think about where we've come I can sit up in my little home office And it's not like I put a whole lot of money into it In fact, I barely put any money into it But I can watch five games at once now I have two old TVs Have my phone, my iPad, and my laptop. I can watch five games at once now. And we used to have the biggest offense like the Indy 500 or the Olympic Hockey or the NBA on tape delay. It's wild, man. Uh, we'll get back to football next at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Our friend Jason listening to us over in Flagstaff. And he says, man, I remember growing up northeast of Tupelo and we were lucky if we could get the Notre Dame game on the local station there. Even luckier if we could get the JP SEC game of the week on another local station. There was no cable. Otherwise, you had to buy a paper the next day. Or let's do it on the radio. And that was it. Those were your options. Jason, of course, man, we're uh, always... Thankful you're listening. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. I'm Michael Borkey. He's Steven Gagliano. And something we haven't brought up yet today, and I can't believe it took me this long, but we were letting you guys drive the conversation. Jerry Jones has yet, on January 1st, 2020, to fire Jason Garrett. What's the holdup? And I've seen a few reports now where people mention that they have a very close relationship where they vacation together. That Jerry Jones simply just does not want to make this move. And maybe he's dragging his feet. They were supposed to have some kind of meeting uh, with resolution today. But that's like their third meeting since the end of the season. And if you're Jerry Jones, as Steven said, what are you waiting for? Especially when you spent all season long. And this is what's wrong with the Cowboys, really. This is what's wrong with Dallas and why... It's not the job that it used to be. Of course, it's still the Dallas Cowboys, and it's $10 million or so a year. It's the NFL. They'll be able to get a good coach. But if you've got Matt Rule, who's going to be sought after by the Giants and by the Panthers and also by the Dallas Cowboys when that job inevitably comes open, and he's a guy that's very interested in control, and you've got an owner, That every single week, multiple times a week, is talking negatively about you on local radio shows. It's constantly doing interviews, has their hands in everything. They are the face of the program. They are the voice of the program. They are the message of the program, even though they're not coaching at all. Is that something you want to mess with? Not at all. And Jerry Jones talks to the
1: media after games. So, yeah, he does it on the radio during the week, but he does it immediately after games. People want to see what Jerry Jones said, not what Jason Garrett said after games this
0: year. How many owners do that in the NFL? Big fat zero. There's a reason for that. I mean, I don't like calling for people's heads and stuff because on one hand, they do have families. It's more of the staff than the actual head coach. Like when the... When Ole Miss fired Matt Luke, a lot of people said how, how bad they felt for him. And who you should feel bad for is the assistant. But even they are getting paid gaudy amounts of money just to coach a kid's game. But miss me with the you should feel bad for a guy that's making $3.5 million a year for coaching 12 football games. I can never sympathize with that. Good man, did the best he could, should have never been in that position to begin with, but I will not feel bad for you. Making $166,000 a month for the next four years, I don't feel bad for you at all. It's a good gig if you can get it. For sure. With that being said, there is no reason whatsoever that you should retain Jason Garrett as your head coach perpetual underachievement that roster and to jerry jones's credit that roster is built like a winner that roster should be in the playoffs right now that roster should have won that division and they certainly should not have had a losing record sitting out of the playoffs with the eagles making the division at 9 and 7 that should have never happened ever And you can't even fire people correctly. The Cowboys are a dumpster fire that nobody's willing to call a dumpster fire. This is embarrassing. It should have been done. You should be winning games. It's the NFL. It's not a family. I know you vacation with the guy, but that's not how this works. It's a business. College football is not a family either, even though Auburn and others want to talk about family and all that stuff. But that's not what it is. Jerry Jones, or excuse me, Jason Garrett still being employed today is not, it does not make sense. Just get it done. Get in the coaching search and find somebody that can actually win with a roster that should be winning right now.
1: And people talk about how close these two are, and that may very well be the case. Everybody for the last six weeks, probably since what the Bears loss, or maybe the Thanksgiving loss to the Bills. Everybody has pretty much known that this is going to happen, that they're not going to keep Jason Garrett as their head coach. And when Jerry Jones publicly rips him after games, the damage is already done. So you're not doing anybody, especially the Cowboys, any favors by dragging this process out, letting good candidates begin to interview elsewhere, and now you're coming into the coaching search process late. So you're really just hurting yourself at this point if you're Jerry Jones and the Cowboys.
0: Tim and Tupelo says he should have been fired five years ago. I mean, this record is... Uh... So he took over in 2010 for Wade Phillips. You remember they were just awful, and he kind of righted the ship there. Went 5-3 and three in their last eight games after a 1-7 start. Then he went 8-8, eight and eight, missed the playoff. 8-8, eight and eight, missed the playoff. missed the playoff. 12-4, got knocked out in the divisional round. 4-12, obviously missed the playoff. 13-3, lost to those Packers again in the divisional round. So, didn't win a playoff game. 9-7, missed the playoff. 10-6, lost in the divisional round again. And now, 8-8.
1: How many other organizations would he have even made it 10 years? That's that's insane to know that he had that kind Cincinnati. of job security. Yeah. <laughs> other than think, Marvin yeah. Lewis, I guess, Jason Garrett has gotten the most leeway from his employer with such a lack of result, especially where in a place like Dallas where the expectation is always so high. In Cincinnati, I kind of understood it because they don't have that same kind of winning tradition that the Cowboys do. And so to have that kind of long-term success under Marvin Lewis, that's why they felt it necessary to stick with him. For Jason Garrett, it's just never made sense how he could stick around this long.
0: The Cowboys have not been good, really, in my lifetime. Yeah, it's a lot of... A lot of
1: looking back and, well, we we won all these rings back then. What have you done for me lately, though? I
0: I don't know if diapers count. Because I was (laughs) born in 1992, March of 92, after they won a Super Bowl. In 93, they won one. In 95, they won one. Since then, nada. Nothing. Garbage. Have not won a conference championship since 1995. Yeah, they win the NFC East sometimes. Don't do anything in the playoffs. It's unbelievable what Jerry Jones lets happen, especially when it's a good roster that he built. Quinn says, I say keep him. Who that? Alex and Boonville says pride has been Jones in the Cowboys' downfall. The expectations do not match the recent success. By the way, Oregon is about to go up 14 to 10 on Wisconsin in the second quarter. Justin Herbert, another. Rushing touchdown, pretty good game going on in Pasadena. So thirteen to ten, barring the extra point, three minutes to go in the half in the Rose Bowl. But the expectations or the results do not match the expectations there. Not even close. It, and like you
1: said, it's not even like they're winning playoff games really and no. falling short of the Super Bowl. They're not even advancing in the playoffs.
0: The Browns have had more recent success. <laughs> Come on, man. Why do, why do we have to throw them in there? They have, though. <laughs> I mean, if you're talking about winning, actually winning things or being close to things, right? I mean, John Elway is the one that really just, oh, man, he hurt them bad.
1: My grandfather was in the stadium for all those, you know, anything you can think of. The fumble, the drive, red right, 88, all that kind of stuff. My That was all before
0: 95, by the way, but right. still. Yeah, still I was counts. Being, I was being hyperbolic and <laughs> probably picked the wrong
1: team. They're just such an easy target, though. They
0: are. The Browns haven't made the playoffs in 17 years? 2002, I believe. Man, see, that—that that is admirable. That's also why sports fans need some kind of scientific study. Steven Gagliano... You were born in what year? 94. You were born in 94? Yes. So you were 8 when the Browns last made the playoffs. Safe to say you don't remember that? I do not. Okay.
1: (laughs) I wish I did.
0: Your entire life you've been a Browns fan. Every year you watch the Browns every Sunday. And I'm let down every Sunday. And they have never made the playoffs in your lifetime, and yet here you are. That is admirable. That's why we have the jobs that we do because of people like Steven, and that's also why we're crazy. There's something to be said there. There's something wrong with us, man. But that's, I mean, we can all relish in this together in one way or the other. Unless you're an Alabama fan. In which case, congrats on the Yankees. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Back in on Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borkin, Stephen Gagliano with you on this first day of the year 2020. No days off around here. It's great to be with you. Couple of texts here. One from Quinn. Make you feel better, Steven. One day you'll wake up and people will be driving around with black Browns flags on their car. That happens. I
1: hope so. Stay man. the course. Yep, and you know, I've I've said it for a while. I'd almost rather be or not almost, I would rather still be a Browns fan through all this stuff because it will make it sweeter someday when they do somehow eventually win.
0: It'll make it incredible.
1: Right. And being from Atlanta, I am so much prouder to be a Browns fan and happier to be a Browns fan than if I was a Falcons fan and had to deal with 28-3 for the rest of my life. <laughs> I would never be able to live that down. So I'm happy to be a Browns fan, even through all the incompetence.
0: I guess I'm one of those people too, Quinn. Because, well, when I adopted the Saints, they went 7-9. and nine. And then the year after, they went 7-9, and the year after, they went 7-9. So I know they've been playing really well lately, but when I adopted them, they weren't any good. So I want that to be on the record here. When I found out I was living in Mississippi permanently, I decided to take on the teams. And so I'm not one of those people that just uh, slapped the flags on the car once they started to get good. They were bad, dang it. Uh, But maybe I guess I do qualify a little bit. Here's another text from the 601. The Cowboys have won five playoff games in the last 29 years. That's crazy because the Saints are going to win four this year. Knock on wood, of course. <laughs> yeah. That's tough. 13-3 missing the playoffs. It's just crazy. And a text here from Joe Starkville. You Starkville. Want... Oh, goodness. Oh, uh, Joe, in Starkville with the humor today. You want Garrett fired in Dallas? Send Heydad to cover the team. That may not get him fired, but it will sure as heck make him want to quit. Ooh, I don't know if uh, Joe Heydad's made an enemy of Joe or what, but man, that's a way to ring in the new year. Hope Heydad's not listening. That's brutal, Joe. Gracious, man. Yeah, the Cowboys, man. It's uh, it's. Certainly something that should have been done a while ago. It is clear mismanagement, I think. And the candidate pool is interesting to me. Because Jerry, and as you know, he just kind of rambles and talks and says things. But he said earlier in the year that hiring a college coach doesn't work in the NFL. Even though the last college coach he hired won him multiple Super Bowls. But he said it doesn't really work in the NFL and... He'd want an experienced NFL head coach. And the candidate pool, according to reports, are Urban Meyer, Matt Rule, and Lincoln Riley. None of whom have been a head coach in the NFL. There's
1: an interesting one at the the top of the text line here uh, from John in Tennessee. Uh, Jason Witten. And I've actually heard that a few different spots, too. Really? And I think that would be a horrible idea.
0: It would be utter insanity.
1: Right. You're hiring a guy that's friends with everybody on the team. He'd be a good, yeah, exactly that. He'd be a good friend to these players. I don't think you can stop playing, instantly become the head coach, and demand respect from a locker room.
0: I can't believe the name Sean Payton hasn't popped up. Maybe after Payton's extension and he's let it be known otherwise that he's going to stay in New Orleans forever. I mean, I know it's the Dallas Cowboys, and people have often talked about Sean Payton wanting to go back to Dallas, but you're not going to get a better general manager and ownership situation than you have in New Orleans right now. I mean, it's not going; it doesn't get better than Mickey Loomis. And as long as Drew Brees is
1: there, why would you even entertain the thought of leaving?
0: See, I have a feeling that after they win their four playoff games this year, that Drew Brees will uh, retire. That's just an inkling I have. Ooh. And then Teddy Bridgewater takes over next year? See, I think you can connect the dots. Because Bridgewater had uh, did not have any time left on his contract this offseason. And Miami offered him the opportunity to come there and start. Bigger money, longer deal. He stayed in New Orleans inside a one-year deal. Why would you do that? You have the opportunity to start, have guaranteed money for a longer amount of time, and I know what the Dolphins did and they tanked and all that, but guaranteed starter, long-term money, stayed in New Orleans, on a one-year deal to be a backup. Why would you do that?
1: Yeah, the only thing I could think of, you you would kind of dispel there based on the Miami thing, but yeah, maybe he just didn't want to get crushed behind an offensive line that didn't have anybody on it except Laramie Tunsell at the time during free agency, and then they traded him anyway.
0: So that would be the only thing. But Or maybe he knows that he's the heir apparent. And why not wait one more year? And take over a roster that's loaded with an offensive mind that's great and a team that you know you can win with. And you get to throw to Michael Thomas. For the next five years, four years. But it'll be longer. I don't know. I've said that before. It's kind of a conspiracy. But, you know, we have to connect the dots in this business. And I think that's some dot connecting. Of those three candidates, though, I mean, Matt Rule was so popular in NFL circles and It's entirely possible that he has a choice between three. Carolina, New York, and Dallas. But the way these things play out, as we mentioned earlier in the show, so publicly, it's... I mean, him turning down the Browns interview, what if that would be the only offer he would have had? Because it's very possible that the Giants go to the Ravens defensive coordinator who's going to bring in Joe Brady because he's brilliant and hires him. And it's very possible the Panthers get Josh McDaniels. And it's possible the Cowboys go with Urban Meyer. Then what do you do? You stuck at Baylor? What happens when you go 7-5 and five next year at Baylor? Are you still this hot commodity in NFL circles? Right. Sometimes you only get one chance at this for your
1: name to be the hot name in NFL coaching circles. And you might want to jump on it while you
0: can. And I see people making jokes at the Browns' expense, not to hammer this point home to you, but I even saw somebody yesterday, which it kind of made me laugh, but that's what shows that this could be a really bad decision, unless he knows he's getting an offer from one of those three. Matt Rule took a Baylor job that had scandal, went 1-11, I think, and... Had a depleted roster, so he would rather take Baylor after scandal in one and an eleven than the Cleveland Browns. And I thought that was kind of funny. But objectively, yes, that is pretty funny. <laughs> but it's not a good job. It's a terrible job. If we're being honest, it's yeah, it's a bad job. Right. Wait, the Baylor job or Baylor. the Browns' job? Baylor. Oh, okay. And the Browns' roster, as dysfunctional as some of the pieces may be, is one that you can win with. That's why Freddie Kitchens got fired after one season winning six games because it should have won 10. Right. Yeah. If Freddie Kitchens can win
1: six games with that roster, a real head coach can actually win with that team. Would have made the
0: playoffs this year. Ah, what could have been? What could have been? I just, I found that unfortunate. And maybe he just doesn't want to go to Cleveland. I don't know. But just turning down, in Tim and Tupelo says, who wants to go to Cleveland besides Jerry Lawler? Uh, it is the NFL. and it, it's,
1: it's, a, still, it's still one of 32. You're one of 32
0: people that can say they're an NFL head coach, regardless of where it is. Wisconsin has taken the lead back from Oregon. 17-14 to 14 will be your halftime score. Just 11 seconds left in the half when Wisconsin scored that touchdown. This is a really entertaining football game, but hey, we're glad you're with us instead of watching that game. Or maybe you're doing both like uh, like we are. Who wants to go to Cleveland? I think somebody that sees a roster that you can win with. I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, John Dorsey got fired, and understandably so, I guess, but he did build a roster that you can win with. There's dysfunction everywhere. Odell you know, Beckham Jr., I think I said this yesterday, if you were listening, I mean, the guy was literally, before the snap, telling opponents to come get him in a trade. I mean, the, guy, the guy's a nightmare. There's a reason New York didn't want him, but he still is a talented football player. The right guy can rein that in and win football games with him. The right guy can rein Baker Mayfield in, and, and you can win with him. And Jarvis Landry. And um, Nick Chubb. Right, none of these guys have had that kind of coach
1: in their career. Odell had Ben McAdoo, Pat Shermer, Sweet Tom Baker Coughlin. Mayfield's
0: fourth coach.
1: Right. Yeah, you'll have Hugh Jackson, Greg Williams, Freddie Kitchens. None of those guys demand the kind of respect from, I'll call him a superstar based just on, you know, the endorsements and the outside noise and all that kind of stuff. You need somebody that can control that persona and now multiple personas on that team. And Miles Garrett, all of a sudden, who I thought was
0: a a better guy than he might be. One more time with you on New Year's Day at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Don't go anywhere. Three hours went by quick. I had a lot of fun and glad uh, those of you that listened to us, you did so on presumably your day off. I know some of you did not and you were working just like us today and I uh, hope you found some joy in listening to us at some point today. We certainly tried. I feel like if we can do one of three things, either inform you of something, make you think about something. or laugh about something. We did at least part of our job today, so hopefully you got some of that. And uh, the full and regular show will be back tomorrow. But we bring in a new year, and it's a really exciting year for Sports Talk Mississippi and Super Talk and the things we've got coming your way, the things that I specifically have planned for you content-wise coming your way this year. It's been great. And for those of you that have been with us from the inception of this show eight years ago, or Sports Talk Mississippi that's been around for, oh, a year and a few months, we're uh, thankful that you're bringing in a new year with us, and we will continue to try. I will continue to try to bring you great content every single day, and... Uh, I'm really looking forward to what I have planned for you what we have planned for you here at Super Talk and Paul and JT and Rebecca and Nellie and Buddy on the weekends and Steven and I on Sundays. It's going to be a really good year. you got a couple of basketball teams here in the state you should be excited about. You've got three baseball programs you should be really excited about. Lane Kiffin will be coaching at Ole Miss starting in 2020. You've got a put-up-or-shut-up year for Joe Moorhead. This will be a year filled with storylines triumph especially in baseball I think you're going to have a huge year across the board I mean you always kind of do but this one in particular and we hope you spend every day with us really excited about what's coming glad you are with us you got halftime at the Rose Bowl by the way if you want to watch the Oregon band you can do that they have the ugliest band uniforms I've ever seen I mean, Nike can make some really, really terrible stuff. Terrible. It's going along with their the decline of their regular uniforms, like we talked about, just oversaturation of all of it. Got the Sugar Bowl tonight. You got a pick for that one. We owe you a Pearl River Resort pick of the day, brought to you by the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. Pearl River Resort, Golden Moon Casino. That's a great place. Make your March Madness plans now. They go all out for March Madness. It is an incredible setup. Last year they did it... Uh, and it was their first time and you felt like you were in Vegas, man and they treat you so well up there it'll be even better this year I can guarantee you that make your March Madness plans now uh, play some golf quality golf courses right there place your bets stay, get a massage for the Misses Pearl River Resort Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook Time Out Lounge. pick of the day Steven, tonight the Sugar Bowl Georgia is a 3.5 point favorite over Baylor what you got? Give me Baylor. So many guys on Georgia are sitting
1: this game out. Give me Baylor. Maybe Matt Rule's last game, final stand. You can get in for a dollar. Normally I would have said that the crowd would favor Georgia, but if just nobody's going to the game in general, maybe the fans really won't make a difference either way. So, so yeah, give me Baylor.
0: I'm going to pull up StubHub right now. So in case you want to get down there, uh, those of you on the coast still can. Uh, nobody interested in that game. Fascinated to see Georgia 2020 as well. Oh, they've gone up nineteen dollars now hey, to get into the Sugar Bowl. I it's a don't know. Steep. That's yeah, that's pushing it. Oh, actually seventeen eighty six. Way in the upper decks. They're steep up there, man. Oh my gosh, the seats up there. Yes, mm. stepping. It, it's like you're doing a stairmaster, but like if you're wearing jeans. Like they better be loose fitting. If you got tight jeans on, getting your leg up the steps in the upper deck of the Superdome is not easy. It's just if you fall, like you would, you feel like you would fall down to the field. Up That's there.
1: how it felt. Uh, I went to Neyland Stadium. Uh, this was a long time ago, but when I was, we were up at the top of the stadium, and I felt like I was on the guy's shoulders in front of me. Like I felt like I was like looking over him. It was frightening as somebody who's not a huge fan of heights.
0: <laughs> that is it for us on this Wednesday. As we give you a parting shot here, don't forget, uh, you've got big basketball. The start of SEC play this weekend, we'll talk about all of that coming up uh, on Thursday and Friday's show. you got Mississippi State hosting a top-10 Auburn team to get SEC play started on Saturday. Ole Miss on the road at Wichita State. They won't start SEC play until the midweek because they are not in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. So big basketball games here in the state this weekend. NFL playoffs to preview. Saints-Vikings in the wild card especially will be one that we are focused on. Thank you so much for making our show a part of your day on this New Year's Day. For uh, Richard and Rippy and Haydad, who are fortunately off today, and Stephen Gagliano running the board. I'm Michael Workey again. Thank you for making our show a part of your day. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow at three. Good night. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.